I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie, and we are back with another Q and A for you guys. You guys really came through with some really interesting questions this time. Woot. So, if we did not answer your question, um, definitely. Uh, we will try to get to it in another Q&A session. Uh, but if you do have any kind of paranormal questions, make sure to utilize that Q&A button on TikTok because that way I will actually see it. And so, so I don't have to comb through the, uh, the comment section anymore. <laughs> Absolutely, because yeah. that, that gets like super thick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously, y'all. It, it really does. It, it gets lost. When we, were, when we were first starting out, we had a couple viral TikToks. Madison was like, you know, going through like thousands yeah. Like coming through thousands of comments to find a question. So it's nice that y'all are utilizing that Q&A uh, section on TikTok. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank a couple of our new patrons this week. Uh, thank you, Poober, Allison F., Fanny Garcia, and Anne Jane. We really, really appreciate you guys uh, for supporting us. And we are going to be uploading all these episodes First thing uh, when I get them up. So, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. So, if you have been on the edge of wanting to become a patron, um, you know, you do get exclusive content, you get just random posts from us that we decide that we want to put up on Patreon um, at a whim. You also get exclusive voting rights to certain tiers. Um, and that includes coming up with our fan base name. Our patrons were given the exclusive opportunity. Oh, yeah. To um, choose that name. So, and what's that name? Para junkies! Woo! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag ghost heroin. Yes, thank you, Chris. <laughs> it, it was a joke, <laughs> <laughs> but it stuck. It stuck real hard, but that's it okay. Did. Um, yeah, so thank you, Poober, um, on Patreon yeah. for coming yeah. up with that one. You guys had really good. Um, yeah, options. we got a bunch of we so, got a bunch of great names. Yeah, but that one's fun. Yeah, so. we put it to a vote. Yes. righty. Let's go ahead and get started with the first question. The first question comes from Cat Knight Zero Zero. And uh, Cat Knight asks, does the shadowy hat man only appear at night to look at you? Or can he slash they also appear in dreams as well? If so, what can it mean? Interesting. Wow. That's a lot. I know. We're starting off strong here. Um, so with the hat man, a lot of people have reported and off of my own personal experience with the hat man, he never showed up in my dreams. Um, he usually just stood in the threshold of my door. Um, and same thing with my sister. That's exactly what she reported seeing, you know. Uh, he doesn't really interact with people. Um, some people have had other experiences with him where like he's talked to them or, you know, 
things of that nature. But I feel like that's a different entity than what is considered the hat man or the man with the hat. So Right. And it's interesting because the hat man, uh, I've spoken to people, gosh, for the last 20 years I've been speaking and, and I would come across people who have the same kind of experience. And intriguingly, in all the cases that I spoke to people about, they had the same, um, when they saw him, he was always in the hallway of mm-hmm. their house, which I thought was indicative of something. We, no, no real answer. And I don't know how much of that is a part of the greater Hatman lore because I think people tend to see him you know, at a certain distance. Oftentimes the sensation of being followed or, or having this, this thing behind them. And when they look, they catch like a glimpse of a man in a hat. Um, and very rarely does anybody ever see his face. Yeah. Uh, in fact, notably, he doesn't seem to have a face. Uh, that does not exclude the spirit from showing up in your dreams. And a lot of, a lot of people will suggest that our dreams are a astral plane that we travel to. You know, our, our subconscious is, in fact, another place that has access to spirits. Mm-hmm. It is a, a threshold. So the threshold of our world to the next world might be the dreamlands. Um, Are you saying when I have a dream uh, and talk to my Mimi in the dream that I might be actually talking to Mimi? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you, really? You, oh, yeah, it happens. You, does that happen often? <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, yeah. Like yeah, so um, uh, I, I have... My whole life, I've, I've always said that one of the, the clearest and easiest ghost stories is a beloved person visiting you in your dream. Mm-hmm. Someone who had passed coming to your dream to speak to you or to speak words of comfort or explain things to you. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, often, I, I often have dreams of, of Mimi. Like, we used to watch Golden Girls together like I was like 10 and she would sit there in her uh, chair and there'd be a bunch of like paper towels stuffed in the crevices of the chair because she just liked that and uh and we would just watch Golden Girls and sometimes my dreams it's it's like there in that area because that's like one of the fondest memories sure absolutely you know Mm -hmm. watching Golden Girls well I think even (laughs) even if you wanted to be more practical about your ghost stories Memories are ghost stories. Mm-hmm. When you remember somebody who has passed, when you think on them fondly, you are experiencing their essence, their love, yeah. that connection. So even in the simplest terms, when you say, uh, I just, you know, suddenly a thought of so-and-so came into my mind, that very likely is a ghostly encounter sure. because we're so hard with our definitions we always spend so much time trying to classify and identify but the truth of the matter is if you're thinking of someone who has passed and you're feeling something for somebody who has passed you are having a direct connective and true experience sure with a deceased person so there's no reason to use the word well that's just a memory do you have any idea how remarkable it is that we have memories? When yeah. you think of this mm-hmm. lump of meat in our skull. <laughs> yeah. and it's the, very true. The, yeah. the, the functions that must go into it and then that we can conjure up people who have, who have left us in the past and, and, and we can still feel and sense. You know, Have you ever walked into a building and, and gotten the whiff 
of something that was like, mm. oh, that smells like my grandmother's perfume or, you know, uh, old books. Old books oh, yeah. smell like my, my grandparents' house. My grandparents' house was just full of bookshelves and, and all those books, you know, basically rotting on the shelves for, for decades and decades and decades created this wonderful, pungent, like, aroma. So when I go into old bookstores, I immediately am taken back to my grandparents' house. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And it's like a residual haunting. Exactly. In a way, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In a way yeah. A physical manifestation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, loved ones especially have different ways to go about, you know, uh, communicating once they've passed over, depending on what's going to catch your attention. So you are definitely the type of person that you're so like, you know, moving around a lot that mm -hmm. Mimi probably isn't thinking like, well, you know, let, let, let me show up as a cardinal or right. like whatever. Because they won't be able to catch me. Well, no, <laughs> not that. No, so that you're not going to, you're not going <laughs> to pay, pay attention. attention. Yeah. Oh, okay. it's not going to get in, like pick up to you where you're like, oh, that could be my Mimi. Like how in the way that my oh, grandmother yeah, yeah, yeah. manifests herself as cardinals, we see them everywhere. Everybody in my life sees cardinals now. She's a very intense spirit, but you know. She pecks at the glass right she, over there. She does. And over there. Yeah. When she it's wants true. attention. But yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, dreams are the best way to get you to, because you can't get away from it. I no, guess. no, so I can't. It's like, I wonder also if, it, if, because it often goes back to that area of the house uh, in Zephyr Hills, Florida, you know, um, of us watching the Golden Girls, like right there, the TV, that chair. But also, do you think that there's a reason, like, do you think that that is, um, basically, that's the place where she also died? She, she, oh, sure. she, um, had a brain aneurysm right in front of that TV. She was like supposedly getting the, 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 um, the medical examiner said that, um, that it was a brain aneurysm and, and basically she just was walking in. It was like that. I mean, she said, they, they said that she didn't suffer at all and she just collapsed right there onto the floor. Um, and, uh, do you think that that has anything to do with the fact that that's where I kind of like talk to her and, or just, well, I'm like. I mean, it could be a part of it, you know, for sure. I mean, that's her, the place where, you know, her life ended, but it's also a place of comfort for you. You know, yeah. it's not, it, it would be weird if Mimi showed up and you're like in a white room with like one chair or something. That would be creepy. That would be that would not be, Mimi. Well, exactly. <laughs> that would be real creepy. So, you know, it, it's also, yeah. you know, like how is this going to be comfortable for sure, him? You sure, know, well, sure. like. And worth mentioning, and, and we should do a, uh, an entire episode on this, you do not have to be dead to haunt a place. Mm -hmm. And so your memory of that is you haunting that place. Oh. Your fond memory, your you know, investment, your connection to place. You know, it's very likely that in that house in Zephyr Hills, people might walk through that room and get a, a small JT Ooh. in the room you because that. that's how you yes. visit. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's that concept. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll do a full episode on, yeah. on residual haunting and, and, and the idea that there is no, there's no book that says you have to be dead to be a ghost. True. Oh, um, wow. And that is really a worthwhile thing to explore. I think so. JT's All like, right. I'm a ghost. I'm a ghost. <laughs> All right, on to the next one. Dan Barbie asks, can someone who used to be able to see and hear spirits as a kid reopen or reattach themselves to see it again? That's a good question. Absolutely. Um, something that I usually tell people is that 
everybody has a certain degree of psychic abilities of sorts, you know. Uh, that's why children are the most susceptible to having paranormal experiences is because they haven't closed it off yet. Um, their imaginations are still vivid enough and they're, they haven't been shunned by the world, you know, and shamed for being able to see things yet. And that's why usually as an adult, you know, if you're not able to see the same things anymore, it's because you were probably told, well, that's not real. You didn't see that, you know, ghosts aren't real. You're, you just have a vivid imagination or whatever it is. And so we put on these degrees of armor of sorts to protect ourselves from things. But because of that, it completely cuts off our abilities. And so it, it really takes a matter of taking off that armor and, you know, um, working through all of that, all of the stuff that we go through as we age and, you know, mature, trying to figure out how to connect back to what, what was it that, you know, made it so real for you as a child, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So that's, that makes sense. that's kind of my take on it. And more people, some people are more susceptible to being open than others. I think neurodivergent people tend to be a bit more open um, to it, but there are also people who, you know, always keep this childlike sensibility to them and they sometimes are a bit more open. So I think just like maybe working through past traumas or working through, you know, um, your, why, why you want to connect back again, um, is a good first step. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, um, uh, this brings me back to, uh, theory that I've always had. I, I call it the reality station. And the concept is we're all radios, you know, we're built like radios. We, we receive and we, we transmit. And when we're very young, we just go up and down the dial. We just change the station. You know, we'll go really far away and have these wild imaginations and wild things happening to us and have all of this experience. But people are like, no, 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 no. You have to be on the reality station. Mm -hmm. um, and they say, tune into the reality station or no one will pay attention to you. No one will, will understand you. They will lock you away. If you spend too much time not on the reality station. So they'll say, the reality station, let's say it's 105.3. 105.3, tune into 105.3. If you're not on 105.3, you're on a different station. You are experiencing things, seeing things, having all these different experiences. And one of the most common things that I've experienced in my life as far as people who suddenly are become aware of the supernatural is a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. sure. Something, a, a car crash, a near-death experience. But basically what that's done is that's nudged them off of 105.3 to 105.5. And at 105.5, they still have the reality station, but they have the next station over, kind of bleeding in, little, little bits of it, and they're having more experiences. They're not so far away from reality that they're going to get locked up, but they are getting that next station over. And the truth of the matter is, as we grow up, we forget where the controls are. We forget where that knob that lets us go up and down the dial is. Mm -hmm. And there are people who, who proclaim to be able to open that, to get us back to the dial, to get our, our hands on the dial through meditation, through uh, you know experiences, extreme experiences. A lot of people think that's kind of what a sweat lodge is. That's kind of what those extreme yogis go through mm -hmm. is an alteration of their physical existence to allow them access 
to that spiritual, you know, station tuner that allows them to move up and down the dial. And in other cultures, we call it enlightenment, whereas here we call it insanity. It's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, uh, in other cultures, people really work hard to experience this extrasensory perception but in Western society, we think that that's madness. We think mm -hmm. that sure. you are, you know, losing grip of reality when in fact what you're doing is you're augmenting reality or you're actually saying mm -hmm. reality is a fixed notion. Uh, and nothing's more clear to explain that than light. We only see and perceive a very small fraction of light. There's a wide spectrum of light that we cannot perceive with our naked eyes. We need equipment and tools to see that. And the fact that we can only perceive a small fraction of light tells us that we are only perceiving a small fraction of reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's worth that uh, openness to be open-minded yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to not just shut the door because you were told that there is nothing beyond the door or that the mm -hmm. door doesn't even exist. You know, uh, Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, oh I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me do something about that. That's, why would I have a 930? Oh, okay, sorry. But um, It's 930. <laughs> it's 930 a.m. I'm supposed to take my antibiotics, which uh, I didn't bring with me, so I'll get it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I've lost my train of thought. That's Let's okay. go on to the next. Yeah. All right, on to the next one. Let's see. Aaron Bailey, 2002, asks, I've never really been super sensitive to paranormal up until now. Lately, I've been super sensitive. Why do you think that changes for some people? So, kind of in the same uh, realm oh, wow. of things. Of, honestly, when I was looking through questions, y'all had a lot of similar questions, which is good. Um but basically, it's the same kind of concept. So maybe like as a child, I don't know, like maybe you had family or friends or people who told you like, or maybe they were just staunch uh, skeptics and they don't believe in paranormal or things like that. And a lot of times that rubs off on the children um, and the uh, people around them. So it's very possible. Maybe, you, I don't know, maybe you moved away from um, your family or you moved out or maybe you have started developing your own sense of reality of sorts. Maybe it's this podcast. It's maybe, possible. maybe, maybe hear me out. Maybe ever since you've been listening to this podcast, you've been thinking, Hmm, maybe I do believe in ghosts and all of that. And sure. now they're showing themselves to you because well, that you're really you're, aligned you're learning with about it. Uh, it aligns with a certain theory. I have a lot of theories. Uh, it, it aligns with a theory that we tell ghost stories to open our perception. Yeah. Like just the, the thought of being scared is a partly part of the journey of accepting that it might be real. You know, fear is a type of faith mm -hmm. because you're afraid of something. And you can easily say it doesn't exist, it doesn't, but the fear is real. The sensation is real, which, which leaves the door a little bit open. Um, but it's also worth noting, have you moved into a new place? That's true. Because yeah. you can, can be go haunted. to a location that has a very powerful presence that allows, you know, that supersedes your own ideal, you know, reality, what, what you think 
is firm and real if you go to a place where the spirits are a little more active and and mm-hmm. able to present themselves um i uh i i refer to things uh, as the um now now my brain is a watering hole it's a watering hole uh the idea of the watering hole is basically that we as as entities we as as, as humans get a spiritual energy from somewhere like a big and i call it the watering hole we all go to the watering hole and when we wake up we we need that that psychic nourishment so we go to the water hole and while we're at the watering hole other spirits have a hard time getting to the water we are all crowded in but at night while we're asleep the watering hole becomes open and the spirits can go in and get nourishment get energy and that's why in my estimation late at night that's where ghosts have enough energy to present themselves and show themselves it's because we're not sucking up all the water we're not blocking them out but there are ghosts strong enough to muscle through the crowd and those ghosts are usually ghosts that show up in the middle of the day yes those ghosts are usually the loud ghosts and the ones who can do something because they are not inhibited by the living the living aren't an obstacle to the energy they need so, you know, uh, sometimes you're just in a place where access to the watering hole is so great <laughs> that the supernatural entities, paranormal uh, uh, things, are able to go to the watering hole, power up, and present themselves. Oh, and wow. now you are having, now you're, you're on even ground. You know, uh, it's not, it, that's uh, the yeah. question of like living alone. Like if you're living alone for the first time, if you're, if you're living in an apartment alone, you are not crowded in by a bunch of people. You're not, you don't have the whole family all going to the watering hole together, True. keeping the spirits from getting to the watering hole. If it's just you in an apartment, now you're sharing a space with whatever entities are there and there's probably equal access to that watering hole. That's that's we're all just super gazelles. We're just gazelles. We're just yeah. gazelles. Yeah. And Beautiful. like and like by by maybe talking about spirits and you know like opening up your uh, opening yourself up to the spirits. Maybe you're backing away from the you're water inviting them hole, to the water and you're like, "Come get you a drink." Yeah. Oh wow! I, I love the metaphors. Man. Absolutely. Like, no, that's a, so concise. That's a great metaphor for it. It really is. Yeah. All right, on to the next one. Renee.Delray, see what you did there, <laughs> asks, I'm curious on what more you have to speak about the man with the hat. I told you. It's, Goodness. It's, okay. Yeah. Uh, because I have experienced that and he would walk to my sister's room too. So so I actually have a, um, a theory to a certain degree if... And this is only if, you know, I'm always thinking dark. So this is only if the, the man with the hat is like, you know, a bad thing, um, which most likely isn't. But, you know, you never know. Um, but like a vampire, wouldn't you have to invite the man with the hat in, in a way? Or like, like maybe, maybe he's waiting for an invite. Even, even if he's good, maybe he's waiting for an invite. I don't know if he, I think he's more of a voyeuristic kind of spirit less than a vampire sort of type deal because no it's a vampire i know i, know I want to J- be a vampire jt loves when things are like demon the, demon demon yeah he loves he's like boogeyman boogeyman demon yeah he loves things like that but um <laughs> i personally from my uh experience 
I've never had him talk to me. I've never even picked up on any sensation that he really wants to interact in that way. It's just more so I think this is a spirit that is interested by the living. And And, yeah, even more to the point, the concept of watcher, a watcher, Um, a watching spirit is pretty much hand in hand with existence. Ever since humans were able to communicate to another human being, they have made the suggestion that they're being watched. And we, mm-hmm. it, it grew into guardian angels. It grew into this concept that there are just spirits that are watching us. And by definition, the man in a hat is void of all description. All, you know, he's, he, he has no uh, identity. He is a figure in a hat. And he's very shadowy. So I oftentimes think of him as a shadow man. Absolutely, yeah. He, but he, he is identified by the fact that he's wearing a hat and that he does not interact. That mm-hmm. is a big part of the man in a hat s- scenario is people see him at a distance mm-hmm. watching them. And there's this concept that maybe there is a supernatural occupation, which yeah. is to watch humans, to watch sure. over humans, to... I don't know if it's it's to guard us or to kill. Report no, back. I don't well, think it's a kill. there's just not enough uh, menace <laughs> in any of the the man yeah. yeah. We'll talk about the boogeyman one day. The boogeyman oh, yeah. is fascinating, and there's a yeah. lot of great. You know, every culture has a boogeyman, yeah. so so we can get into boogeymen. But uh, I don't think the man in a hat falls in that category because I've also never heard of anybody saying that they were scared of the man. And, yeah. you know, they were uneasy. Yeah. But they weren't like, they didn't feel threatened. They felt, well, there's a man. You know? yeah. <laughs> and that's creepy enough. Yeah, I think it, a lot of it has to do, especially because children are often the ones that see him. I feel like he could be exactly that, a guardian of sorts or just someone that's there to observe children. Um, I know like the spirits in my house growing up were very protective over me as a child. A lo- they started to back off a little bit as I got older, but like especially when I was a younger child, they they were very very like guarded um you know constantly making sure that i was okay and that and- also gives way to the idea that children are more likely to see entities which mm-hmm. makes them a higher value asset that is true you know mediums and people who can see spirits clairvoyance they are all high value assets to spirits because it is a anchor to this world you know, if you think that they're just untethered and looking for purpose or trying to execute a purpose, mm-hmm. having somebody who can see them, having somebody that can, they can communicate with, that really does make a lot of sense that children experience these spirits often, that when people who have the gift of sight experience these spirits, they are persistent and protective mm-hmm. because they know that having a human being who can acknowledge their existence is key to whatever process they're going through. I'm a high value asset. Thank high you. High value asset. <laughs> you are a high value asset, baby. Thanks. All right. On to the next one. JKJK123 asks, I've been seeing the man in the hat lately. I never saw spirits as a kid. Why am I starting to see spirits now? I'm just joking. I was like, like, you're like, what the what? What What the what? I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it'd be a funny joke to like reiterate the last, you know, seven questions, 17 questions about them. (laughs) Anyway, I don't know. It's stupid. Okay, here we go. (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't make fun of me. All right. Um, real, real question here. Underscore the uh, <clears throat> underscore the Oswald Linares underscore underscore the Oswald Linares underscore. I think that's it. Uh, asks. It's this is similar. <laughs> yeah. is similar. Sure. How can I know if if I have the ability to see ghosts? Because I've been seeing figures in the corner of my eyes, and I would get chills. You mentioned. I remember you mentioned you you. Like people see ghosts out of their peripheral vision, like yes. like episodes ago, like, well, yeah, like I mean, 10, 15 episodes ago. You, you way, said that. It's way easier for people to see it in the corners of their eyes, you know, yeah. and in plain vision. Honestly, I didn't start seeing things in like right in front of me until I was about like maybe 14, 15. Yeah. So it, it takes time. Yeah. That's th- a, the door opening is, yeah. is, is it right at the periphery? Because your mind can still entertain the idea that there's something there. Yeah. You know, if it shows up right in front of you, your mind will dismiss it. Your mind will be like, no, no, yeah. that's not real. Yeah. That ain't it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it, on the part of knowing if you have the ability to see spirits, you'll know. <laughs> you, uh, that, I know that's like probably not what you want to hear, but. There's no like exact like symptoms of like if you do if you experience this 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 and this then you're a clairvoyant you know it's more so you just know because you'll start seeing things that you're like that was definitely a spirit or you know they start interacting with you more and it's like a very common occurrence. Yeah, we were driving. Madison and I were driving a couple um, a couple days ago. We were going around that square in front of Fox and Fig. Um, great, great plant based restaurant. Oh, if you're yeah, in Savannah excellent. and want to try that, it's really excellent. Just a small shout out to that. But anyway, um, we were driving around that square, and Madison, uh, like this, broad daylight, and Madison goes. Do you see that ghost, that spirit right there, JT? And I'm like, what? Like, like I look over. There's nothing. He goes. He. She goes. She goes. Uh, it's a. It's a African American man in a purple, purple shirt. Purple yeah. shirt and a purple shirt. And I'm like, and I was like, what? Do you like like yeah. tell that story? Tell that. Yeah. Story. Okay. So basically, in that situation, what you saw. Yeah. Basically, in that situation. It was, and this happens to me a lot in Savannah because <laughs> Savannah is just full of them. Um, a lot of times we'll, I'll be driving or I'll be walking and I'll think that was a real person. And then it, it goes, Boop, and I was like, because sometimes spirits are so full bodied and so full figured that you genuinely sometimes think like that's not a spirit, you know, or especially when it's broad daylight and you're just driving, it's, um, it's easy to just be like, oh yeah, it's just a it's just a person on the in the square, but then they disappear, and it's like, oh yep, that was a ghost. And so, I am always interested to point it out to JT when I see those uh, types of spirits because I'm like, did you see it? If, yeah, you know, because I I do find it, I see them obviously, but you know, I'm like, I'm when something is that full figured, I'm like. Did other people see it or? I did not see it. I did no. not see it, but she said it with such confidence that I was just like, it kind of, it, it like creeped me out. It happens all the time <laughs> though. Like it, honestly. I know it does, honey. Ghosts on the sidewalks or in the streets. 
I can't stand it. I have slammed on my brakes so many times because I think there's a person in front of me and then it's yeah. a ghost. And I'm like, y'all are going to get me in a wreck one day. Like, which is, you know, I guess the fun side parts of <laughs> being a clairvoyant. Which is an interesting side note because when you're in like a crowded area where there are streets and sidewalks and just common things, there's a good chance that you are seeing ghosts all the time. Mm -hmm. You just don't realize it because it just seems like a person. Yeah. You know, you might actually witness hauntings repeatedly and regularly, but these are people who had died in the recent past. So they're not, you know, dressed in some strange way. These are probably people who are running a routine of their existence. And as you drive by, it does not stand out as strange because you're not, you don't pay attention to every person you pass as you're driving down. As long as they're not in front of your car, yeah. you probably <laughs> yeah. aren't going to stop and say, that was a ghost. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so That's interesting. It, it's an interesting idea that hiding in plain sight is, is a tactic of ghosts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think about this a lot with theater ghosts, ghosts that, that, that come into theaters, because not every theater ghost is you know some tragic actress who died or anything like that sometimes it's just audience members and they may not be like regular audience members of the theater they are just drawn in there because they can participate in a living act which is watching a show they can sit in the audience and not have people don't watch plays looking at the person sitting next to them they're looking this way so you can feel normal you can feel alive and you can participate in what living people do by going to the theater theaters uh, or auditoriums or uh, stadiums uh, for for um, you know sporting events you can basically just be in the crowd and yeah. be like one of the people and that must be a a a, a good imitation of being alive to be in a crowd and to 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 sure. to Absolutely have all that energy around you and all that excitement. So, yeah. How do you know if you are seeing a ghost? Like, let's tell the, let's, like, what told you, Madison, that, 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 that black guy with the purple shirt, like, he was a ghost? He disappeared. Okay. So, (laughs) So, that's number one. He disappeared. Okay. Um, Yeah. I saw him, and then he literally, I, like, I looked over to JT, and then I looked back, and he wasn't there. And, like, to the point where it was, like, I looked around, you know, obviously. I've seen him enough at this point where usually if they disappear quickly, I'm like, okay, that was probably a ghost. It wasn't like, you know, he he suddenly, like, dipped in, like, he's running down the streets, but, you If you you ever see anything strange, uh, a person where they're not supposed to be, I always say, look at their feet. Look Mm -hmm. to their feet. Because, in many occasions, they don't even have feet. Because they are manifesting an identity, and it usually is manifested from the brain or brainal area or heart. It's radiating from here and doesn't make it all the way down to the feet. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes their feet aren't touching the ground or their feet are in the ground. That is Because true. the levels of the ground have changed over time. And so you might be looking at somebody, but they're cut off at the ankle. And it's not they're cut off at the ankle. It's just that the street had been built up. Yeah. And so they're walking on the street as they remember it or as they know it. So, you know, there's a lot of ways. And, and it's, it's, it's a cheesy thing to say, look at the feet, see if they have feet. Um, but it's one of the ways that I have oftentimes when people are experiencing things like, well, uh, I, I had an experience in a, a house that I was staying in down on Habersham, right on Habersham Bay, and I was in the living room, and I looked over and I saw what looked like uh, <laughs> looked like a fisherman, big burly guy with a, like one of those fisherman caps, and I see him, and I saw I just started sliding out of my chair, you know, just to get down onto the ground, and if you don't know me. 
my house is littered with swords. And so there's, <laughs> there's a sword under my couch. So I'm like leaning down to get the sword because I'm almost positive there's a man that I do not recognize standing in the hallway right around the corner. And so as I got on the floor, I'm looking under the cheap IKEA furniture I had at the time, and there were no feet Ooh. where the guy was standing. And I'm just like, all right, okay. So I just stayed on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> with a sword. <laughs> yeah, with a sword in my hand. Oh, God. Like, okay, well, if it is a person, I'm ready. And if it's not a person, I'll just stay here. I'll just yeah. be silent on the floor. Yes. That one's going on TikTok. <laughs> yes. The... Um, but yeah, um, in the sense of like how you know you're seeing a spirit, um, I do like to preface with saying that you did not have to die in the Victorian era or right. the Edwardian era to become a ghost. Uh, it's a very common misconception because people are like, why are they always ghosts from like olden times? They are not. They're not. Yeah. It's just most of the time, those are the spirits that people pick up on because they look distinctly different from you. And oftentimes so they are the ghosts that people tell stories about. Yes. And because they're being reinforced over time and over time, the, the, the solidification yeah. of that look, of that period, we, we constantly tell stories about the Victorian mm -hmm. and Edwardian ghosts, these, these ghosts of a very specific time period. And that gives even ghosts that are just fledgling, you know, mist a form. They're like, oh, they want, you know, yeah, the absolutely. antebellum ball gown. They want, you know, a man in a top hat. And that, that is one of these things where it's our expectation of what a ghost is that defines some of these spirits. Because these spirits, they don't want to fade. They don't want to disappear. And they will do anything to be relevant. And we tend to make a lot of relevancy out of these old mm -hmm. ghosts. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the oldest ghost stories uh, ever recorded was an ancient Greek ghost story by Pliny, 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 Pliny the Younger, who wrote about this ghost that haunted him in a house he was renting. And, and the ghost story just sounds like any ghost story you've ever heard. He's renting a house, a guy with chains coming in, and he follows him around. But what's interesting is we stopped thinking of like toga wearing ghosts. Mm -hmm. We are not, you know, we don't see ghosts in togas <laughs> or yeah. very rarely. I'm sure somebody does, but, uh, but we do and have for a long time seen ghosts with chains. Chained ghosts are a part of our narrative. We talk yeah. about the chains yeah. and the chains and it turns out that chains used to be used to keep the bodies from coming up out of the ground before we came up with slabs or with, with <clears throat> means to mm -hmm. keep them in. They, they basically anchored them into the, the, the earth so that when it rained, they yeah. wouldn't surface. Oh. And so the chains on ghosts are oftentimes because the last time we saw the living person, they were wrapped in chains and going into the ground. Same with sheets. When you see the ghosts in sheets, those are just burial shrouds. Mm -hmm. Because the last time we saw them as the person we recognized, they were wrapped in a shroud. And so when we see a ghost, we're thinking, that's Uncle Pete. <clears throat> but he was in a shroud. So, oh, yes, I'm in a shroud. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we start telling these stories. Uh, I, I think I've mentioned it before. Uh, when I was a kid, I watched a movie with, uh, oh, it was Christmas Carol. Uh, Jacob Marley had a, a bandage yes, around his yeah. mouth. And so I always thought that he, he, he had gone to the dentist. That's what I thought. Yeah. But in uh, Dickensian time, uh, mouths 
involuntarily through rigor mortis will gape open after death. They actually tied the bandage around the mouth to keep the mouth shut. And that is one of those things where people were looking at the body and saw that it was tied shut instead of like going into the mouth and sewing it, which costs money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and the narrative of Jacob Marley and, and Scrooge would certainly not spring for any heavy work was to tie a bandage to keep the mouth shut so that it wasn't this jarring, wide open mouth corpse. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting. You know, the, and it made it in because there were many ghosts who were depicted with this wrapping yeah. around their head. And I didn't know what it was. <clears throat> I, it never made sense to me. I was like, oh, I know that's, you know, that must be that period ghost. Sure. <laughs> you know, that yeah. period of ghost laden with chains, wrapped <laughs> with yes. a bandage around their head. That's so That's so clever of them. That yeah. is. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, Trakatotten asks... Can you talk about 432 Abercorn slash Wilson House and what truths there are to the stories behind it? I caught images of a spirit girl in the front window. Mm. Oh boy, they know all about 432 now. 432 uh, Abercorn Street, if you're not familiar with it, it's Savannah's favorite house to dump a ghost story on. Um, so <laughs> It is the repository of many ghost stories from all around the city. Yes. Um, there are so many stories about, you know, uh, the Wilson family, the uh, Mr. Wilson uh, chaining his daughter to a chair, and she ended Tell up... It. Okay, so basically... <laughs> Um, the house is right next to the uh, Massey School, the, where the Massey School was. And that was the first uh, school that allowed African-American children. And so a lot of times the children would be playing in the square um, outside of the house. And Mr. Wilson had a young daughter who was around the same age. So she would want to go out and play with the kids, obviously, because they're kids. And he did not want her being involved with them at all so one day he catches her you know um playing out in the square and he decides that he's going to punish her by taking her back inside sitting her in front of the window that looks out into the square and chaining her to the chair and says that you're going to sit here until you learn your lesson and she ends up sitting there for so long that she ended up dying of dehydration and um, probably heat stroke because, you know, Savannah. Um, So a lot of people have claimed that they've seen the little girl um, sitting at the window. They've also claimed to see Mr. Wilson's face in, like, the wall. Yeah, uh, Yeah. the outside of the house. Yeah, which is odd. I don't know if that's just, like, the unfortunate um, instance of stucco uh, making a face, but, you know. Well, you know, there was that weird stain that ran straight down the middle, and, and we had seen that house pressure washed and pressure cleaned time and time again. And that stain, it's a gigantic black stain that used to go down. I mean, right now that house is beautifully restored. And my guess is with the restoration comes the death of those ghost stories because the house absolutely standing in front of it. You're like, that was a haunted house Mm -hmm. because it was this beautiful mansion on a very illustrious square that was just empty for mm-hmm. decades and decades and decades. And, and it amassed all the ghost stories, the triple homicide yep. of women. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can pretty much trace that to the Gribble House story that just yes. somehow migrated to that house because that house truly did have this, you know, big black stain down the middle. Yeah. Uh, the windows were, you know, um, all old glass. So they're all wavy. And I've seen countless pictures of strange, you know, 
imagery inside the house. But people used to break into that house repeatedly, have seances in it, do all kinds of Ouija things. You know, there's countless encounters in the house that would suggest that at the very least, people brought their baggage and dumped it there. They brought their yes. own ghosts and left them there because that house did, it, it, it was kind of a celebrated ghost house that really didn't have any stories until, you know, early 2000s. You know, Absolutely. It, wasn't, it wasn't a house that was, was regularly noted. However, it was always creepy. You know, that, <laughs> and, and that square is, is incredibly creepy. It is. The square it is. itself is so full of tragedy and trauma. It's the old African burial ground. It is, you know, uh, the kids at the Massey School went mm -hmm. to school on top of the bodies of their own ancestors. Know, ancestors. Yeah. Not even old ancestors, like grandparents, and, you yeah. know, not far removed. So we're, we're talking about a place of very high spiritual energy, very high spiritual focus in a town so full of ghost stories that a lot of them are so spread out that it's like, what if we had a house that had, because the little girl, mm -hmm. I want to say I've heard the little girl story in at least five <laughs> different houses yes. to include the Hampton Lilybridge house. I've heard oh, the little girl yeah. at the Hampton Lilybridge house, which true. is not true. You know, and so, uh, and directly across the street, uh, across the square in the Epsi, uh, Espy house. Yes. There is uh, Claire Espy, who apparently died when she was six years old. And, and many people think that it was uh, Carl Espy who um, accidentally killed her, uh, knocked a table over on her or some, some story of that nature. Mm -hmm. And they say that they buried her in the courtyard, that her body's in the courtyard. Oh, wow. Like mm -hmm. her, her stone is in Bonaventure, but her body's in the courtyard. However, all of that is very much up in the air, up in the air yeah. because we're, we're a town of ghost stories. We're a town of ghost storytellers. And so to have uh, this institutionalized concept of ghost stories people people mistake ghost stories for paranormal experiences and what you have to really learn to appreciate is that a ghost story has a different purpose than a paranormal investigation or yeah. a history lesson there is a very specific function of a ghost story part of it is to open you up to the idea of ghosts to experiment with the idea of the threshold and coming up with a way to access that without damage, without harm. Here comes a story that's going to make you think very hard about what is and isn't real. It's going to make you think really hard about the veil and how to penetrate it and how to witness it and observe it. But in the end, they're stories. No matter how well backed up a ghost story is, it's still a ghost story. We don't have any definitive proofs. We don't have any, you know, uh, when I say I saw a man mm -hmm. in a Greek fisherman hat in my house, that does not constitute proof. It's my sure. experience. But mm -hmm. uh, even if I snapped a picture and had it, there'll be a million people who say, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Photoshop. It's Photoshop. Yeah. It's fake. It's not real. So... Yeah, because there true. is no definitive truth, no definitive proof that no one has ever established scientifically or even philosophically that there is irrefutable evidence of haunting. You have to live with the ambiguity of it all. Yep. Um, which is open to the trade of ghost storytelling. I would say to you with the with 432 Apricorn Street, that is not to say 
that there aren't spirits in there. Oh, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> it is highly possible there is something in there. Highly um, likely. Yeah, it's uh, it's just I don't know if it's associated with the stories that are told about the house. Um, but I will say uh, for the fact that you did catch a photo of a little girl in the window, it's very common for, you know, spirits to hear all those stories that are being told literally in front of the house. And they're like, oh, there was supposed to be a little girl spirit. I'll be the little girl spirit. And, you know, because it gets they them attention. Crave identity. Yeah. Absolutely. And it gives them attention. Absolutely. So, Good point, babe. So. Yeah, there might be something that's acting as a little girl, but I don't know if it's from the, well, the and that, story. That, for, for JT's purposes, that could very well be a, a dark demon. and demonic Ooh. force because demons are about the lie. So yeah. it's funny, actually, with 432 Abercorn Street, there's this girl on um, TikTok who is a death witch. And she basically, you know, talked about how uh, she came to Savannah and walked past 432 Abercorn Street and immediately started sobbing because she had this vision of something inside that house that was keeping spirits there. Mm -hmm. Something evil that was not letting these spirits cross Ooh, over. That's so, like the Savannah Underground. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's the whole concept of the it show. It is. <laughs> oh, and it's really interesting. Um, and I, I think their experience was fascinating in that way. So, Well, you know, strangely enough, one of the side stories of that house does involve cultish activity and attempts of, of contact. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's even stories of the hardwood floor having symbols oh, yeah. like literally carved into them. Right. And what's interesting is you don't know if the story came first or the carvings came first. Yeah. You know, somebody heard the story and went in and carved them, but people have said clearly that they can see where they had sanded so hard on the floor to get rid of these grooves. And those grooves seem to make a symbol. Um, and that comes to this idea that when you go to a place that is highly charged, highly paranormal activity charged, the, the opportunistic people will try to catch the spirit or create a, a place of power. Um, and Savannah, Georgia was one of the highly uh, sought after power places in the world at one point because there was so much activity here because there was still the voodoo mm -hmm. and hoodoo cultures. There sure. was still uh, a, a wide breadth of people who were fumbling around satanic practices that they you know got out of a book from a catalog. So you, you have... All of this mishap, and that was in the mid to late 80s, um, and around the Jim Williams uh, oh, yeah. trials, when a lot of people were, were getting this concept of, oh, hey, Savannah is, in fact, this you know, town of, of, of dark secrets and dark powers and magic. So that does bring us up to date with when you have a place where, where so many people, because that's a real common story of walking past that house and just like finding yourself stuck yeah, mm -hmm. can't move on. Um, however, I will say it looks great now. Oh, it looks it does. Great. It looks they did very a great job. lovely uh, <laughs> lived in. And I want to say that once you got rid of the scary facade, mm -hmm. the scary stories will diminish. True. You know, because what's to tell about standing in front of a beautiful mansion and saying, this is the most dark and scary place if it's not dark and scary. Yeah. Um, and it is a private residence. Yes, so it's a if, private residence. So if you do visit Savannah, 
don't go knocking on their doors and asking to come in and look for the, you know, pentagrams on the ground because I'm almost certain they will not I, appreciate that. I am, I have a very, very soft memory of, of me looking at that house and a, and a woman in the courtyard and her telling me an old lady and she's like this house isn't haunted well i don't know why i have this memory i think it happened <laughs> i don't know no i i know that this happened Wait, did it happen with you babe yes it did okay so, okay so that's why we were there okay <laughs> it's because we my parents came to town one time and they were staying in an airbnb on jones street which is literally right next to the house so we walked um, my family's dog over to that square and we were standing in front of it, and there was a ghost tour group that was also there, and the owner does not appreciate the ghost tours at all, and I don't blame them, because it's, you know... Groups of 20 people looking just at Just staring your house at your house, and... Two, um, three times an hour. <laughs> yeah, and I remember her yelling, this place isn't haunted, you know. So oh, that's it, okay. That, that's what the memory <laughs> well, was. And, you know, because um, the, the Mercer Williams house, you'll get the same response. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, his sister runs Yeah, his it. sister. Yeah. Well, we'll beat on the windows and tell ghost tours to go away. Yeah. Yeah. It's for real. Wow. Um, yeah, so don't go knocking on their door, please. <laughs> um, if you're visiting Savannah, you can admire it. You can admire it for what it is and admire the stories because stories are fun. But, like, just, yeah. just don't. All righty, that's all the time we have today. But before we end, Christopher, do you have a uh, ghost tip, pro ghost tip for it? Yes, pro ghost tip. Always. <laughs> Don't break the law yes. when looking for ghosts. I've been arrested three times. What? For I'm being sure I where I don't want to be. You know, <laughs> being where I shouldn't be. I, I once stayed in a museum after hours and was arrested because when I tried to leave, I set off the alarm. <laughs> I was arrested in a cemetery that was private, and Oops. I was arrested inside someone's home. Well, they didn't live there, but I was trespassing. So don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. That's a bad idea, and luckily, in all three occasions, no one pressed charges because I was a harmless, you know, idiot. Um, and that... <laughs> But I think that that has long since passed. I mean, that was in the uh, early 90s. Yeah. And I was just bit, a kid and I was, I was looking for ghosts. And there was not a bunch of ghost hunting shows. There was not a bunch of ghost hunting things. Um, I was just this guy who heard this place was haunted. And so I snuck in. Uh, don't do that. That is uh, a very bad idea. And it's a really good way to get arrested. Yeah. Don't get arrested for ghosts. It's not worth it. But with that being said, thank you guys so much for watching. Um, if you don't already follow us over on TikTok at the Savannah Underground. Also, if you want to become a patron, you can find us at patreon.com slash Savannah Underground. But with that, my, ma my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie, And stay spooky, y'all. <laughs>